If it's not the fact that we have worship team members out for illnesses and so on and so forth, or the fact that we're having technical difficulties with equipment and massive low-frequency feedback, which I know everybody thoroughly enjoyed, to the odd sense of pre-recorded worship and things, this just wasn't normal, right? Don't you love... Here's the thing about Christianity, and, and can I move around? Okay, because it, and I wasn't asking permission. I was actually wanting to know about from the camera's perspective, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the, the reality is that this morning just wasn't normal. Have you ever... How many of you have a routine? This is what you do. You get up in the morning, not happy about it, and you move about the, you move about the cabin of the plane, as it were. You, you go about, this is what you do. How many of you get locked into that? And this is, you wake up realizing, look, this day is going to look like yesterday, which looked like the day before. And tomorrow is going to look like today. And suddenly you have the entire routine go totally awry. And it's not your thing anymore. Life decided to throw a monkey wrench into your works. You ever have that happen? Yeah, once or twice. Yeah, it's happened on occasions. If, if you don't have a routine and your life tends to do that, you live in a state of chaos, which is fine because in life, chaos is totally normal. But when you're trying to run a church, <laughs> not only do you have, you meaning me, the pastor, not only do you have certain expectations... This is what's supposed to happen. And when you get massive low-frequency feedback, you got to go, why? Because all of you have expectations too. And I'm trying to meet them. But in reality, there's, there's not much of a chance that because life is what it is, even in the kingdom of God, you're just going to choreograph everything beautifully and perfectly. It's just not going to happen. And what's funny about this, I'm not making excuses for this morning. This morning was one of those days. How You have all testified already about the fact that you have a thing. Your days look like essentially this. You engineer them in part to be like that. But how many of you have ever been driving to work and got into an accident? Did you happen to pencil that into your schedule? No? That's not what you didn't do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Did life go on? Did, did, did tomorrow look better? Um, did, so on and so on. You know what? God is still God despite a flat tire. God is still God despite the fact that you burnt the toast. Which, by the way, I think is actually in the Bible as a sin. I'm not sure. But life goes on. And God says of himself, 
When you testify about yourself and you happen to be the divine creator of all things, it tends to be the truth. And this is what he says about himself. I never change. He says about himself, I am. You notice he says, I am. Do you notice that? Who was it? Who, who am I supposed to tell the Pharaoh uh, that is you know, telling me to tell him? He said, tell him I am sent you. And he says, I am the same. That's why he's I am, because he doesn't change yesterday, today, or forever. He is I am. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He's not I hope to be someday. He is I am. He is always. And he never changes. He says, with me there is not even a shadow of me turning. Nothing changes. I don't even cast a shadow this way. And then later on it will be this way. Nothing changes. I am. And so when our day goes awry like it kind of did today, and didn't these girls do a great job? And I might add, you all did a fantastic job too in worship. It was weird. We know it's not our norm. But, it was, but the nice thing to know in the face of all of this is that God, despite our circumstances and despite our environment, despite our world changing, He doesn't change. So when everything goes totally awry, we can count on one fact. Well, He's not going to change, so I don't think I'm going to lose much sleep over this. He's not going to change, so I'm not going to lose a bunch of sleep. Sometimes we get hung up on that. We get hung up on the things that are different. But the reality is that the one thing that genuinely matters, and that is, keeping this in mind, that we are trying to get from where we are in life, in our living, how we live, we're trying to get from where we are to where he is. And the interesting thing about that is that if if Christianity, wow, I'm wow, this is going to be going interesting. I can feel this right now. If Christianity is based on performance, if we have to do everything right in order to get where he is, we're toast, and this morning is a perfect example of that. But the reality is, that's not how the kingdom of God works. We're getting from where we are to where He is because He decided it. The Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world even existed, that Jesus Christ the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world. Which means God prepared for your success in His kingdom before there even was a world to have you in. I dare say God's invested in getting us from where we are in all of our faults, in all of our flaws, in all of the things that don't even look like God. 
And I, ladies and gentlemen, am not pro-sin. I'm pro-holiness. But you can't be holy without the holy God of Israel, Jesus Christ. He is invested in getting us through this morass that is humanity. Your humanity. My humanity. Everybody's humanity. Where we get angry at things. Where we get annoyed at things. Where we say things or think things or act things out that are not God. He said, my blood never will ever let you down. And we just have to acknowledge the fact that we need a Savior all the time. Because when things go wrong in your life, who here lives a life where things go wrong? And you're the cause. Oh, wow, no hands now. Oh, no, it's always somebody else's fault. Life goes wrong, and it's usually my fault. You see, life doesn't go wrong when the person cuts me off in traffic. Life goes wrong when I get so mad, the steering wheel wishes it was anywhere else but in front of me. That's when life goes wrong. Life goes wrong when that self-same driver who just cut me off or, you know, gave me that one finger of fellowship for whatever reasons, and I lose my cool, and my whole family, my wife, my eldest, and my youngest, just start opening the doors and they want to dive out into traffic. That's when life goes wrong. Stop blaming it on Eve. It's not Eve's fault. It's your fault. But Jesus, because of who He is, He said, I will make a way For you, and by the way, just so we get this clear, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And in the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, we covered this two, three weeks ago. In the sixth verse, this is what I'm speaking about this morning, or going to try. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, I'm reading from the NIV. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Jay, I know you've got other verses up there. We'll just hold on that. You see, at just the right time, when we were, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Have you ever read something in Scripture? And you, as you're reading along, you say... In your head, it's not maybe even something you consciously do, but you're reading along and right there you, you read something and go, I don't really know what that means, but I'm, not, I'm just going to continue move on. And you never find out 
You never go back and just kind of go, you know, that was really bothering me. I need to find out what that means. This is one of those scriptures. Not the whole thing. Most of it's self-explanatory. But this part right here at the beginning, you see, at just the right time. This time. Perfect. At just that right there. That time. When we were still powerless. Now we know what that means. We talked about this two or three weeks ago. When we were still, while we were still lost in transgressions and sin, while we were still damned eternally, should we exit this life and move into the next? While we were powerless to do anything about our status spiritually. Elsewhere, the Bible says, while we were enemies with God. The Bible says, that's when Christ died for us. While we still, not only did we not know God, mankind was utterly and perfectly lost. Not only did we not know Him, we didn't care about Him. I believe it's Matthew's Gospel that speaks to this. prophetically, that the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the land by the sea, specifically telling us where it was, off the the coast of the Med there, they were seated in darkness. We've talked about this before here. Seated in darkness. Not only did we not know God, we didn't care, because we were seated. We were relaxed in our sins. We were utterly comfortable in our desperate lostness. But we didn't know him because we were seated comfortably in darkness. What is that typical? How many of you ever fall asleep in your recliner? Welcome to mankind's history pre-Christ. That's what that is. But... It's that time. It's that time. You see, at just the right time, Christ died for us while we were still enemies with Him. You see, verses 7 and 8, we talked about this extensively a couple of weeks ago. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. In other words, if you're a righteous person, Someone probably isn't going to come save your life if they have to give theirs. If you're a good man, your odds are a little better, but probably not. Right then and there, it stinks to be you. That's what we're talking about. Okay? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8. But God, but God demonstrates his own love for us. Okay, notice what it says there. He demonstrates 
his own love. God's love, not ours. We've already measured our love because, and we, again, we, we're going back and reviewing. We've already measured our love because if you're a righteous man or even a good man, yeah, probably not going to get died for. Because someone's not going to give up their life for you. You're good people, but no one's coming to your rescue if it's going to cost them their life. You're good, righteous. I'm still not dying for him, sorry. That's our love. But God's own love looks like this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are enemies with God and Jesus came to die. Whereas we look at someone who's really worthy and I go, no, I like breathing way too much. Sorry. See you on the other side. Bye-bye. So man love and God love are two different animals altogether. And it's that love right there that came at just the right time. Well, what does that mean? What does just the right time even mean? Does it matter what it means? I think it matters, Mary. I think it matters. What was the time that Jesus came? What was the time? What was happening that's so important that the divine creator of all creation says, now? What was happening? Talked to the youth department about this last Wednesday just briefly. Something had to be happening for the Bible to say at just the right time. I mean, don't you think that Jesus, let's be honest, could have picked a better time in history than Roman occupied Israel? I mean, what a bummer. You know, the Romans, the Romans would come in, they'd sack a place, and then they would establish their presence, their rule, and then let everybody go about their business doing what they did before. But they had the real estate. So Israel was occupied. The Jews were still able to go about their Jewishness. They were still practicing uh, Judaism, still meeting at synagogue, doing all the things that they always did, but they're occupied. Going about their religiosity, living their lives, occupied by a foreign entity. And Jesus through divine edict, decided that that was the time to descend, be born of a woman, the way everybody's born. What a weird introduction of God in the flesh to mankind. But that was the plan. He was known as Emmanuel. We only sing about Emmanuel at Christmas time. Don't know why. But God with us came 
at a chaotic, non-peaceful time where their whole country was occupied by a Gentile force of such magnitude and power. They could lay waste to that little sandbox with a breath. Why then? Well, that is exactly why then. Think about it in a different way. Think of Israel and all of its history. Take all of its history and all of, all of the stuff that's going on even now and just render it all down to the most essential element. And that element is this. It was the people of God. The people of God that, that through Abraham, God invented from nothing. Israel wasn't a nation before Abraham. He invented this country. And here they are, having done what they did, and they're occupied by Rome. They have a foreign entity in their midst, and the people of God are being ruled by a Gentile force. Well, that's exactly why he came then. Don't ask me his... The, the, the plans or the boardroom discussions between the Trinity. I wasn't there. Don't know if you didn't know that. But he came and entered the theater of mankind while something inhabited the people of God that did not belong. That was ruling over them, dictating what they would do, allowing them to go through the motions of their religiosity, but having no life. And God decided this is the perfect time. And he dropped in salvation in the middle of chaos. He dropped the answer to mankind's damnation right in the middle of their chaos those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to be able to relate to that fact because your world was a world where you were going about your motions you were going about the business of daily life day to day half asleep, seated in darkness. And there was something occupying your space that was not God. The Bible encapsulates that idea in the very, very, very famous verse that everyone here can quote where God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever. There's no discussion about nationality. There's no discussion about creed, ideology, philosophy. There's no discussion about ethnicity or, or race. There's no, there's no discussion about socioeconomic status. There's no discussion about all, any of that. God's love, the love that He has 
where while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That love dictated that whosoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the Bible. That's Christianity. At just the right time, where the picture of the events in Israel itself points right to the human condition, where we are going about our life, living day to day, walking about our business, with a dark entity living within us and keeping us from the real God. And this religion that Israel was, in, is, is, uh, was uh, so invested in at the time lacked the God of the religion. And so what does God do? He sends himself into the midst of it and says, let's change things up. At just the right time, when the, the theater of human nature looks just like sinful men, he goes, okay, let's change it all. Pow! And he turns the entire world, the book of Acts says, upside down with the introduction of Jesus Christ at just the right time. For those who are still, still invested in performance-based Christianity, realizing that, man, I've just got to do X, Y, and Z, and Jesus will be happy with me. God will be happy with me. He will smile on me and bless me if I can just do, if I can just accomplish, if I can just perform these things, God will be happy with me. Chapter 4 of Romans is an entire discussion about Abraham. Get a load of this. I want you to check this out for the next couple of minutes, and then we'll get, we'll get done. Chapter 4, and Jay, I know you don't have this. Chapter 4 of the book of Romans, in verse 3. We're talking here in chapter 4 about working your way into God's graces or just believing the promise of God. Verse 3. What does the Scripture say? Abraham (laughs) believed God. Did you see that? Abraham believed God. God. In other words, it would be like me saying to Mark, uh, Mark, I'm six foot three, 242 pounds. And you go, okay. As opposed to, Mark, I'm six foot three, 242 pounds. And you go, yeah, well, you know, we could do something about that if you'll just let me do this. But Abraham, listen. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness in layman's terms is simply this, right standing with God. You're okay with God if you're righteous. 
God has made you righteous and you've been able to receive righteousness because you believe him. That's the entire theological definition right there. Okay? Everybody got that? So there's a quiz after church. What was it that Abraham believed? Abraham believed the promise that God told him that he was going to be the father of many nations. Now remember, he is the originator of Judaism. He's it. Everything's built on him. That's why Jews are so unbelievably uh, what in, intense about Abraham. Well, this is where we trace ourselves back to, right there. But this is of many nations. He didn't say you're going to be the father of Israel. He says you're going to be the father of many nations. How many of you are full-blood Jews? Yeah, I didn't think so. I'm French and Irish. Okay? I like beer and french fries. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Took my son a minute to react to that. He processed the, I can't believe he just said that. He had to get through that. So God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he's like, okay, cool. And it took a long time for him to even have a kid. Listen to this, verse 18, chapter 4. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, quote, so shall your offspring be, end quote. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. Remember we talk about how our lives are what they are? Listen to this. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. I'm going to be a father. I'm childless. I'm a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb was dead because she's coming right up behind him in the age thing. But he believed it. He believed that. And what he did was set the stage for everybody else. Because in that faith-based reality, God creates, a, creates the ability to bring his son into the world. He has his son manifest in the form of a baby. And 33 and a half years later, he's hanging on a cross. Dying for you and me. And all we have to do to have righteousness attributed to us the same way Abraham did was when he says, I will save you, you say, I believe. And nothing else. The law, needing to work your way into God's graces, check this out. Verse 15, chapter 4. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Jesus doesn't operate in your doing a bunch of stuff. 
Christianity isn't you running around doing a bunch of stuff. Christianity is you believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you allow Him to change you. He said to Peter, while walking on the shores of Galilee, if you will follow me, I will make you something you're not. He said to Peter, fisher of men. There was no such thing as fishers of men. But Jesus was going to create it. It's kind of what the Creator does. He makes things. So, you see, you see, at just the right time, when the stage of mankind's history looks exactly like mankind's condition, at just the right time, a Savior is introduced into the lives of men. And all we have to do is believe. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, when He says to you, in the still, small voice, and He says to you, in the midst of your lostness, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your life that isn't whole, it's not complete, in the midst of that, I will come in and make you something you're not. In fact, I will make you into something you don't even know exists yet. And no matter what happens around about you, no matter what kind of nonsense goes on, no matter... What is happening to upset your normal? I do not change. You get into a car wreck and you ruin that nice new car and you are so upset, do you realize that doesn't change the fact that I have promised and guaranteed by my own shed blood? But not only that, the fact that I resurrected on the third day and eventually ascended to the right hand of God himself, I will guarantee your eternity with me. And it's not about doing anything. And like I shared with the youth department this morning, and I am closing. What did the man on the cross next to Jesus, ever get to do to earn his salvation? Let's be honest. Five minutes before Jesus said, This day you will be with me in paradise, that man was a common, run-of-the-mill, scumbag thief. He was lost utterly and perfectly within hours would be damned to an eternity in hell. But because he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, you know what Lord means right there? It means everything it has to mean. It means I believe in who you are and what you said you are. I believe that you are the Son of God. He called him Lord. Remember this day when you go into your kingdom. That's what he said. What did Jesus say? Like I told the youth group this morning. No, you're sicko, man. You're a scumbag criminal. I'm not remembering you. That's not what he said. He said, today, 
you're going to be with me in paradise. Now answer me these questions. Answer me. Did that man ever get to go to Sunday school? Did that man ever get to attend church? Did he ever get baptized? God forbid you don't get baptized. Did he ever take communion? Did he ever get to attend a church dinner? Did he ever do anything worthwhile toward humanity where he could say, but God, I did X, Y, and Z. Hey, hey, hey. No, he was a scumbag hanging on a cross, dying over a period of hours because the Romans got the kick out of it. See, they could have just clubbed him. Kill him. Oh, he's a criminal. Boom. Done. But no, the Romans wanted to have fun with it, so they crucified you. And over hours, you suffocated to death. And yet... Not having done anything at all to earn God's favor, the God incarnate man, the theanthropic man, looks at him and says, This day you will be in paradise. You don't get to do anything to earn God's favor. And anything you do doesn't earn it. You either say to Jesus, I believe Or you don't. Because if you don't, and you're a church attender, and you're doing all the great things that church people do, you're still going straight to a dark, dismal devil's hell, but you're really moral while you go. Because there's been no blood applied to your life. And you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. Sorry, but that's just the truth. Stand with me, because there is hope this morning. And that hope is this, at just the right time, Caleb, at just the right time, when God could paint the picture of man's unholy condition by looking down at that country at that moment when he arrived, he established a way of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. He established it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you and we glorify your name today. We exalt your name in all the earth. You are God and we are not. And we look at you for our salvation, our provision, our hope, our direction, our defense. Father, all, we, all you ask is that we believe in the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. So, Father, right now I'm just going to ask out loud. Is there anybody here who does not know Jesus Christ as, as your Lord and Savior? Is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus? The one who is so in favor of you, so on your side, so invested in getting you back to him, he came, was made flesh, dwelt among us, died, was buried, resurrected on the third day, and ascended to the right hand of Father. Is there anyone here this morning who does not know Jesus Christ? Just going to wait a moment. Just a moment. Okay. Father, we love you.
and we praise you. We glorify your name because you're God. Father, my prayer is this, that your hand be upon these people. Father, you've provided salvation for them, you, for all of us. Father, you died and you provided that through your own shed blood, the holy, unique, one-of-a-kind blood that was yours. And you shed it abroad so that we might be accepted into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that we have been made right with God. And we stand, because of our belief, as righteous. So, Father, I just ask right now that you'd minister to this group of people. Take them throughout their week. And, Father, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what upsets the balance, no matter what turns things on its side or makes things askew, Father, that every time something like that goes wrong, Father, we realize... He doesn't change despite my circumstances. He doesn't change despite my environment. He doesn't change under any circumstances. Father, encourage them in that, that they are your children and you are their father. In Jesus' precious holy name, we pray all this. Amen and amen.